Well, yesterday and today, our gospel focuses on a metaphor of seed. Farmer going forth, putting seed in the earth, and then it sprouting up, and there's some kind of a result. And uh, in this immediate uh, explanation of the parable, Jesus is talking about the difference between the good people and the bad people that will become clear at the end of the world on Judgment Day. Uh, but there's myriad applications of this. So we might be able to say within each one of us, there's sort of good people and bad people, so to speak. And uh, when we expose ourselves to the Word of God, which is sort of like exposing ourselves uh, to Judgment Day, it's kind of like an anticipated Judgment Day when we continually wash our minds in sacred scripture, what what takes place is there's a separation between the good people and the bad people, so to speak, within our hearts. And uh, the bad people are separated and the good people uh, sort of come to prominence within our lives. And they're the ones that sort of determine who we're supposed to be. Again, I'm speaking metaphorically. It's kind of like there's good parts and bad parts in our hearts. Um, but this metaphor, though, of sowing and reaping, of putting seed in the ground and then having it result uh, in good things or bad things, has a myriad of application. In the scripture, you might be able to speak about something that's called the principle of sowing and reaping. Okay, And it's really simple, and I've spoken about it a number of times in, in daily Mass, as good things are followed, you know, good actions are followed by good things. Bad actions are followed by bad things. Okay, so there's consequences to everything that we do, good and bad. Today we commemorate St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was the founder of the Jesuits. And this whole idea of the law of sowing and reaping reminds me of an incident uh, in his own life. He was, this is going back to the 1500s now, he was from Spanish nobility and he was, his vocation was really that of a soldier initially. And so he was in a battle and he got wounded and so he, uh, they thought he was going to die. But eventually he came to the point where it was clear he was going to make it and so he was in this process of convalescing in someone's house and it took months. Okay, he actually got hit by a cannonball, believe it or not, (laughs) and he lived. Okay. And so here he is convalescing, and at that point in his life, I don't know, he might have been early 20s, he had really indulged himself in the reading of kind of books that were a little frivolous because they uh, put forth the ideal warrior and kind of knights, and so they're like these kind of medieval romantic fictions that had knights and shining armor and all this kind of stuff, and it was really sort of worldly literature and it kind of if you'd read it and it would capture your imagination it would kind of pump up your pride a little bit that and your vanity and your ego so that was the kind of literature he was used to and he asked the people hey can i have some of these books and they said well we don't have any of those kinds of books in the house but we do have books about the life of christ and we do have books of the saints and so he says well okay i guess i'll read those (laughs) and so he starts to read these books in his own mind, he starts little by little over the course of weeks to discern the difference. Okay? So when he would read that worldly literature, what would happen is these seeds of pleasure would be sown in his heart. But they would be followed by feelings of sadness, 
So he would have these intense sensations or experiences of pleasure when he would imagine himself being a great warrior, so forth and so on, kind of puffing himself up in his own imagination. But inevitably, afterwards, those feelings of intense pleasure would uh, be followed by feelings of sorrow and kind of sadness, emptiness, dryness. Okay. Now, conversely, when he read the life of Christ and he read the life of St. Francis of Assisi and the lives of the saints, he would imagine himself actually giving himself to God in that really radical manner that you read about in the lives of the saints. And he would experience great joy when he thought about doing this. But unlike the other sort of thoughts about worldly vanity and success and so forth and so on, these thoughts of joy, these feelings of joy he would experience would be followed by more joy and it wouldn't go away. And so later on, when he became the great founder of the Jesuits and he formulated his rules of discernment, that was one of the principles, is thoughts that are sown in our hearts from the devil or from our own vanity, uh, no matter how intensely pleasurable they are initially, are followed by a kind of dryness and emptiness. But conversely, thoughts that are sown in our heart by the Holy Spirit or our guardian angels or whatever good influence in our lives it might be are followed by joy. They continue to be followed by joy. And as it is with thoughts, so it is with actions. And we just see this as another application of the, of the principle of sowing and reaping. Great wisdom, great discernment. I think to myself, though, today this whole idea of sowing and reaping is very much uh, not appreciated because in contemporary society we live under a sort of a worldview that's hyper-individualistic. And we think to ourselves, well, my actions affect me, and that's all, and I can do what I want as long as I'm not hurting anybody, and we've kind of got this idea in our mind. But the reality of it is is that our actions do, bad actions do affect us very seriously, and they do affect others because all our lives are intertwined inextricably. Um, so we have this kind of uh, almost this defense mechanism in our head that, that hinders us from actually noticing the bad consequences of our actions. You know, people do dumb stuff all the time, and it results in really bad things, and they just keep doing it. I mean, we just keep doing it. And that's, the, that's human nature, fallen human nature. Um, how much more so are we going to be not sensitive to bad thoughts? Okay, right? So if we don't notice the bad consequences of our actions, we're not going to notice the bad consequences of bad thoughts. All right? So how to reverse this process? Well, we need to spend time in prayer. We need to become introspective and sensitive to the interior movements of our minds and our hearts. And we do that by coming to daily Mass. We do that by setting aside time every day where we can shut the cell phone off, where we can put the Internet to the side and the TV and the movies and all the noise and the nonsense that the world tries to inundate us with. And we give that time, however long it might be, to just resting with God and opening our hearts to Him and lifting up our minds and our hearts. And thereby we, we, we become little by little more introspective and we're able to become sensitive to the interior motions of our hearts and our minds. And then our common sense is restored to us and we can look out into the world and we can say, look, if I do action, you know, 
good action is going to be followed by something good. If I do a bad action, it's going to be followed by something bad. Lo and behold, here it is as an example in my own life. There it is in other people's lives. It's obvious I can see it. So if we become sensitive to what's inside us, we'll become sensitive to the outside world. And we'll be able to live our lives with that Ignatian discernment. And we'll be able to live our lives uh, with with true wisdom. So may it be so for us. We pray this this morning uh, through the prayers of St. Ignatius.